You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just realized, like, I've said that how many times, and I it's, it's kind of a little rhyme. Ask Dr. Gray Q&A. How are you today? Anyway, with that said, what uh, what can I do for you today? So I um, have previously applied to medical school, and okay. they have the institutional action question on the application, and I had an alcohol violation in my undergrad uh, during sophomore year. Okay. So my biggest question is, like, how big of a red flag is that? Is that kind of just going to make admissions committee just see the red flag and throw me away because they have so many applications? Yeah. Or is it just, like, a small piece of my whole application? As does, does it depend on med schools? Yeah. A little bit of everything. Um, so typically what you'll find, and I'm going to turn down your volume just a little bit. Um, typically what you'll find is that institutional actions are going to be a flag and schools are going to see that flag and it it'll vary there are some schools that are that are just like you know what we have enough applications i'm just not going to waste my time it's going to go in the trash and sorry this that's not very fair but that's just a very easy way to get through these most schools will see the flag but look at your application just like they look at every other application. They'll sort them by MCAT or GPA. They'll, however the schools want to sort, right? And that's one of the most frustrating parts of this, this application process. But one of the best parts of it, because every school is different. And so one school that will just give up on you right from the beginning, another school will give you a shot. And institutional actions vary widely, right, from... Uh, I, I saw just a ridiculous one of a student who got some sort of institutional action on her record because she, during a football game, moved seats and was busted, right? Got in trouble for not sitting in the seat that her ticket was assigned to, which is just silly in my mind. And she had to say, yes, I have an institutional action. Alcohol infractions are probably the most common, right? College students, shocker, they drink alcohol. <laughs> they, they don't wait until the 21 age uh, restriction. And so it's very common. And, and it really depends ultimately on how you write your description, right? So for students listening to this or watching this who don't know, when you click yes on institutional action or misdemeanor or felony, um, I think there's one other one, kind of a red flag one. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, but when you click that box, you get 1,325 characters to to really write an essay on that uh, on that institutional action. And how you write it will really depend on the schools that are going to give you a chance. How you write that 1,325 character essay for AMCAS will depend on if they give you a second chance or, or continue looking at your application. And so if you write it like, uh, I drank alcohol, I had an institutional action, uh, and that's why I marked yes, right? Not really stating why you were drinking alcohol, right? It, it seems kind of silly because again, like almost every kid is drinking alcohol on a college campus. That's just kind of the way it is. Um, 
But if you say, you know what, I got I got caught up in the situation and I, I had alcohol on campus and I knew I shouldn't um, and I learned my lesson, I did did my time, whatever, right? Um, and, and you actually own the thing and you reflected on it and you talk about it um, in a genuine way, then you're typically fine. Um, I've, I've talked to plenty of admissions committee members that are like, you know, we see, we see alcohol uh, infractions as institutional institutional actions all the time and it's just it's just something they, they're like okay right just another one another one to add to the list but uh, it doesn't prevent you from getting into medical school it won't prevent you from from anything in life from getting your medical license from anything else okay so That's good to know <laughs> yeah so talk talk to me about why you think you didn't get into medical school the first time um so I got one interview at Case Western and yep. I was waitlisted and then didn't get off the waitlist. I think um, a big reason, it says my process date was August 5th. So yeah. I think I took the MCAT July 22nd okay. and then I must, it's a few years, so I don't remember, but I, it must've been around August where it went. I only applied to four schools. Okay. They were only MD um, and I have a lower um, GPA. It, I had like an upward trend. Good. Yes, I think. Um, but so yeah, those are the main things. Okay. Yeah the the upward trend is great. The um, the <clears throat> the later application could have definitely played a role, right? When you take the MCAT in late July, that score doesn't come out until uh, the end of August, and so my assumption is, based on the process date you said was August fifth that you yeah. probably submitted your application somewhere mid-July before the MCAT. Is that correct? Yeah, so submission date's July 9th. Okay, yeah. So that's a, something for students to really pay attention to. It's why I say apply early. It took them almost a month to process your application. And now mm -hmm. the MCAT had nothing to do with that delay in processing the application. That's just that's just how long it takes to, to get through applications uh, at that point in the cycle. Um, the upward trend, have you done any post-bac classes, done anything else? So I tried. Um, I did two quarters at a graduate program. It was a pre-health academic program, PHAP. But after two quarters, like financially, I just wasn't, it was in the Bay Area. I wasn't yeah. able to keep living there. And it kind of got messed up with my financial aid and paying for my classes. Okay. So I only did, I mean, I did well in those two quarters, but I know that probably also doesn't look good because I only did two quarters. I didn't finish. Yeah, that that's yeah. not something to worry about. Students who don't finish uh, a program, it's a lot of students fear like medical schools are going to see that and like, oh, they're a quitter and they, they, yeah. they don't know what they're doing. And they, they just, they understand that students are going to take extra classes uh, to improve their GPA for whatever reason or take extra classes and think that they're going to do something and then financial aid gets in the way. That stuff happens all the time. So that's definitely not uh, a potential issue. Um, okay. And moving forward with your next application, what are you hoping to improve? So I started working as EMT mm -hmm. in December. Um, I was hoping to get more recent shadowing, but still trying to um, because it's been five years now. Oh, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I have been working on it. Okay. Work, work <laughs> harder. Ask, ask more people. Yeah. Knock down doors, 
blow up the phone lines, slide into DMs, do whatever you need to do to um, to get out there and to shadow. The okay. uh, I'm assuming you applied probably 2018 or 2019. Um, if you didn't get off the wait list, you applied 2018 for 2019. I'm assuming that's the the process. I would have started in the fall of 2017. Oh, so you applied 2016. Yeah. Okay. I would have started like right after I would have graduated in May and then started in the fall. Okay. Why? Um, so not having shadowed for five years is better for that first application. Cause then it was only like a year or so yeah, potentially. It was really recent. Yeah. Um, what has been the delay in reapplying? Trying to just figure out, I knew I kind of like figured what my weaknesses were and I didn't know how to best go about it. I tried to do the grad program, but then financially I wasn't able to finish. So I thought that looked bad. So yep. kind of just taking time to figure out what to do next to make my weaknesses better. Cause I know you're not supposed to apply unless your application looks better from the first time. But I, I just, just try to figure out like how to go about that without like much advice since I'm not an undergrad anymore. Yeah. So you, you obviously have to take the MCAT again. Right, yeah. it's been a while, so so hopefully we can improve the MCAT score. Was that a, an issue before? I got a five hundred nine. Okay, um, solid MCAT score. Um, so hopefully we can keep that. Right, keep keep at least a five hundred nine ish in that area. Um, the the grades are what they are at this point. You're probably not planning on taking more classes. I'm assuming. That would no yeah from Just financially that'd be yep. really hard yeah exactly okay so the only other thing that you can do to improve your application is shadow clinical experience and um and just being a better human being right volunteering and just doing everything you can on on that front and uh put together a good story and apply um are you going to apply this cycle as we're recording this yeah that's the plan i i've taken a full length and got a 502 and I, I plan to take the MCAT May 29th. So okay. I think I'm on a good track. Yeah. Um, so as long as the MCAT goes well, I plan to apply like, uh, submit like May 28th is the day right around that date. So basically as early as I can take the MCAT earlier, Okay. do it early this time. Okay. Try and shadow. Did you reach out? You said you had one interview. Did you reach out for any feedback from Case Western? I, I didn't reach out. Um, no, I feel like I should have. Um, one of the schools I applied to offered to have them, and I didn't. Why do not? That. I figured I was like, well, I have a low GPA. My MCAT's not too great, and I have a violation. I was like, I feel like I know my weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. So again, the institutional action not an issue. So I would okay. recommend for every student watching this or listening to this, always, always, always take up the opportunity. Take the opportunity to interact more with the medical schools that you're applying to and, okay. and you want to go with. So yeah. if you would have said, oh yeah, I would love to get some feedback, right? They may tell you everything that you already know, but what you're doing is you are having the ability to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who may have the ability and power the next time you apply to move your application to the top of the list. Gotcha. Right? You never want to turn down. Uh, a couple episodes ago on Ask Dr. Gray was a, a conversation about how step one has gone past fail, right? And, and how networking and and building those relationships has always been important, but will but may potentially be even more important. Never pass up an opportunity to build those relationships. Gotcha. Okay. Is there anything else I can answer for you?
Um, I do have a quick question. Yeah. Um, at my school, we were able to take the shelf exam for our classes. Yeah. Like they Why? do in medical school. Yeah. Um, I guess it was, so if you scored well enough, they would boost your grade up. If that makes sense. And is this undergrad or the master's program? Um, well, both. My undergrad also had a master's, um, but so the undergrad students could do it. So we both could do it. Um, Interesting. Okay. So is my score that I got, if I got a good score on that exam, like for histology example, I got like 82nd percentile. Okay. Is that something I should put on my application or is it relevant or? It's not relevant at all. I mean, it's it's cool. Um, there's really no place to put it and I don't think I would try to fit it in anywhere. Um, I'm trying to think uh, on part of the AMCAS application, I know some students will put like their GRE scores in there. I don't think you can put shelf scores in there because the far, far, far majority of, of students applying to medical school don't even know what a shelf exam is. So, um, yeah, and, and for those of you listening and watching, like a shelf exam is the, I think NBME runs them. Uh, they are the dedicated subject uh, tests that typically most medical schools, they, they buy them uh, to, to give to students as kind of a, a final exam in the class to determine how how well you've done and it's a preparation for the board exams so yeah probably not something to put on an application there's really okay. nowhere for it to go okay good to know okay anything else um uh yes if you have time for yeah let's question. go <laughs> okay i so i've listened to a lot of your podcasts and um, mainly about, I'm really interested in the HPSP scholarship, Yep. but I've heard you say like the ch there's slightly lower um, chances of getting the residency you mm -hmm. want or the specialty that you want. And I was curious if that has to do with networking or more like the military deciding and also compared to USU, the military school. Mm -hmm. I've heard that it might be, I think maybe through one of your podcasts, it might be a little easier to get the specialty you want because you're already going to those military um, hospitals and networking. So yep. is it all about networking? Or Everything in life is all about networking. <laughs> yeah, so um, the the one thing about the, the HPSB program, so the Health Profession Scholarship Program that's offered by the Air Force, the Navy, and the Army are all relatively similar. Um, the one thing that I didn't know going into this, right, and some people have <laughs> on YouTube, shocker, have, have criticized me for not doing enough homework, but they don't realize that I applied when the internet really wasn't what it is today, um, and, and not realizing that the Air Force uh, has their own programs, the Army has their own residency programs, and, and, and you, can, you can look to see how many of each specialty the each of the programs are accepting. And so every year the Air Force gets together and the Army gets together and the Navy gets together and they go, okay, in five years, how many orthopedic surgeons do we need? Okay, we need we need three. So we're only going to accept three orthopedic surgeons this next match. Okay, how many internal medicine doctors do we need? Oh, we need 40, right? Okay, so we're gonna accept 40 internal medicine doctors. That's, that's the general process and that comes out uh, I forget the time of the year it comes out, but then the military match happens in December. 
and you get kind of the the notification of did you get what you want or do you need to go match in the the regular match and there's there's lots of stuff there which I've talked about a ton and uh, not much on YouTube but uh, in the future I will the the process which I'm assuming is still the same when I when I went through this was that you it's all uh, scoring right the the military is tries very hard to to be very objective in their measurements of their people and so they have a rubric that gives you a certain number of points for your first uh, your preclinical years right which includes your step one score which step one going pass fail will obviously be affected by that um, you get a certain number of points for your clinical years you get a certain number of points for being prior military, right? Prior, prior active duty. You get a certain number of points for research and publications and all of that. And then there's usually, uh, when I applied, there was kind of a discretionary, however many bonus points the program director wants to give you. And that's the program director's kind of prerogative to say, you know what, I really love that student. I'm going to make sure they have enough points to be at the top of my list so that they're at my program. And that's where the networking comes into play. And that's why uh, I did mention on one of my podcasts that the at USIS, right, the University Services Uniformed Health Sciences, uniform something, <laughs> Uniformed Services Uni University of Health Sciences um, Medical School, the, the military medical school, they have all of their rotations at military, mo mostly military um uh, medical centers and so they are out and networking and being exposed to these program directors much more than hpsp students are and that's where the potential benefit comes from these uh from the usu students so there's potential benefit and yes because of the networking which is huge okay awesome that answers my question <laughs> good all right well, thank you for your questions and thank you for coming on the show and asking those questions so that others can also learn from you. Good luck on your next application cycle and please keep me updated on your journey. Thank you and thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. If you want a podcast dedicated to everything pre-med, go check out the pre-med years at medicalschoolhq.net.